This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, we are back on the podcast. Uh, I am here with my good friend, Jalen. I'm John, and we are the co-hosts of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Jalen, it's good to see you. Good to hang out with you. How have you been? Uh, been doing well, John. I'm excited because you're coming to Chicago in about, what, four days here? So I'm really excited to hang out with you. Uh, we'll watch some basketball. We'll watch some bowls together, mm-hmm. have some pizza and wings, and hang out and see some other friends. So I'm excited about that. Um, but before that, uh, our our church is having our annual Thanksgiving joint worship service with the Chinese congregation and the English congregation. And so there's always a lot of coordination and, you know, logistics that we got to kind of work through. So we're, we've been doing all that this week, um, but I'm, I get to preach this Sunday and we're trying something new. So historically we have always had a translator. So we, you know, obviously I'll, I'll, I'll preach whoever's preaching. Um, we have a translator for them. So English to Chinese or Chinese to English. And I think that's always kind of bogged things down a bit. And, you know, I, I think if, if you've ever been a part of a combined worship service with two different languages or three different languages, even it, it just kind of slows everything down. And as a preacher, mm-hmm. I find that that's actually kind of helpful because it gives you a moment to kind of collect your thoughts before you say what you want to say. And so you get like, you say a sentence or two, you think about what you're going to say and, and it, and it sometimes comes out, I think, a little bit better. Mm. Uh, but but it is a, obviously there's a different cadence to it. There's a different rhythm to it. You prepare in a different way and obviously you present in a different way. Uh, but we're going to try something uh, this year where I'll just preach completely in English and we're going to have subtitles huh. on screen. Oh, and no. so... Um, the way that we figured out we were going to do that was I'm just going to submit my manuscript and they're just going to translate it and then just put it on the screen. Uh, and so that actually ties me to my manuscript, which is fine, which is what I usually do. And so I'm cool with that. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I think, I think it'll be fun to, to kind of see how our church responds to that. If it doesn't go well, then we'll go back to our trans. I was, Mm -hmm. I was kind of, we were sharing this with our translators uh, we have two translators and they're so excited. They're so happy. They're like, <laughs> I am praying that this works out because literally the last time that I think I spoke, our one of the guys who was translating, he was like sweating up there. He was oh, just no. like working so hard. He was like trying to make sure he was getting the right words. And, you know, sometimes when you say the wrong thing, people from the congregation will just like shout out to you, like to give mm-hmm. you the right word or whatever. And so I know he's like super stressed out. So anyways, we're excited about that. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be great. So I, you okay. know, obviously being Chinese Heritage Church, having those, those uh, combined worship services are, are always a, a fun time. I have so many thoughts right now. Um, <laughs> I think, well, first of all, we're not on here to talk about translating sermons in 
in church. But that is a very relevant topic for anyone that serves in a Chinese heritage church or any sort of ethnic immigrant church. Um, So just for a second, let me share some of my immediate thoughts as you've shared this with me. Um, I just have so many memories of watching movies with terrible subtitles that are like not exactly (laughs) translated. So I'm super curious to know how this goes. And we have to make sure that the next time we record um, after this weekend, we get a little update on on how things went. Um, That would be my first my first thought. My second thought is just kind of about translating in general. You know, I, I feel like that's one of the hardest jobs at church for a translator to keep up, whether they have the manuscript or not. Yeah. And um, I, I won't give my specific ranking, but I do in my mind catalog like who my favorite translators at church are. And, you know, they're all good. All right. So there's no one that's like bad at it, but I do feel like certain ones um, are, you know, are better than others or more experienced, more practiced. And so in particular, my favorite translator at church and my church now is our Cantonese pastor. Mm. Um, Alan. And I just feel like Alan will take what the person that's preaching says. And then when he translates it, he actually, he kind of re-emphasizes things or adds his own, you yeah. know, passion and energy into it rather than just a straight one for one translation and yeah. without losing any of the meaning or what's being said. And I just feel like he's super engaging. And maybe because I also speak a little bit of Cantonese, I, yeah. I, it's more engaging for me. Um, but yeah, and then my other my other thing that comment I was gonna make is I don't know how your translators feel about you, Jalen, but I have frequently been told by translators at my church um, that my I use sentences that are too long. Like I like I guess I'm like the Apostle Paul. I like the run on sentence. Yeah. You know, one sentence covers seven verses in you know in the New Testament for Paul's letters, and so I feel like some of my my sermons are like that, and that it drives my drives my translator crazy so no that's that's what i mean when i say like it it changes the way that we prepare too because when (laughs) i when i speak and just you know regularly to our english congregation yeah i have super long sentences too but i realize that our translators can't go that even if they have the manuscript there like you're right it's just it's just too much and so that's why for me it just i don't like doing translated sermons because Mm -hmm. it takes me out of my sort of regular rhythm of how I preach. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, but yeah, I, I'm interested actually, um, when you have translators for your combined worship services, are they almost always like another pastor doing it? Because like you said, it's so important to have somebody who can not just say the right mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. to say the right translation, but to actually convey what you're trying to say in the way that you're trying to say yeah. it. Right. No. So normally it's, it's not one of our pastors. Um, I think actually Alan, our Cantonese pastor is unique in that he is very fluent in both Cantonese and English. Mm. And so it's probably a, a skill thing that he's able to, and other pastors are not. Um, and we actually really only break him out for like special occasion, like missions conference or something like that. So yeah, but it's great. Like a retreat, he, you know, you, you break him out. Like he's behind a glass case, breaking case of emergency, <laughs> like right. emergency, you know, announcement or worship yeah. service. We got to break him out. Yeah. No, oh, that's cool. I'm probably but... gonna have to get his permission before before uh, we put this episode out. So, though I don't think he listens to the podcast. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> it's only good things. But... What he doesn't know won't hurt him. Yeah. Anyways, well, good to see you. How are you doing? And uh, how's your week been? Yeah, I'll I'll keep this quick so that we can get to our guest. Um, you know, I think my week has just been a little bit uh, extra busy. I think, as you know, oftentimes right before you go on vacation 
you have to kind of make sure everything is figured out, not just for that week, but for the week that you're gone or for however many days you're gone. And so I've kind of been feeling a little bit of that this week. And so uh, just trying to get a lot of things done um, before, yeah, before I head home. And um, it's budget season at church. And so looking at a lot of spreadsheets right now, and I'm also in the midst of, you know, uh, we're preparing for our young adult retreat. And so, you know, just, it's been a lot of different things. None of them really like, uh, it's more, I feel like the side of pastoral ministry that is probably not the things that we were most drawn to or most passionate about, but it's very necessary, um, you know, for the sake of the ministry. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been one of those weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We're also in budget season right now for our, for our church. And so Mm. I actually kind of enjoy that stuff i think because it because we tie in thinking through okay what it, what what do we believe god calling us to do and mm-hmm. how do we, how are we going to actually put our finances upon it well mm-hmm. you know i think just in our <laughs> in this conversation right now we've come up with like maybe three or four topics for future yeah. podcasts so we got to follow this away and think about it yes. but today we're really excited to have a guest uh his name is hc yang he is coming to us from korea right now uh, but we're meeting him on Zoom. And so HC, we're really excited to have you here. He is uh, on staff with InterVarsity. He just started a new position in their Asian American Ministries Department. Uh, prior to that, I think he was working regionally in the Illinois and Indiana area on campuses there. And then even before that, I think he was specifically at Northwestern University. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll welcome him first. Hey, hey, HC, how are you doing? Good to see you. What's up, Jalen? Good to see you. Good to see you, John. It's good to see you too. Um, I'm glad you all are doing budget season right now. That's how people like me get paid. <laughs> Jalen, to you in particular, thank you. <laughs> yes, I did not mention that our church supports HC, uh, and we've done so for many years. Actually, even before I was at the church, I think we were supporting you. And uh, I don't think either of us really knows HC how our church got connected with you, right? <laughs> It was the most random thing, man. I got an email from a pastor from CCFC, uh, mm-hmm. but it, I think it was the English ministry pastor, um, but it was the one before you, Jalen. Okay. And okay. Uh, he was just like, yo, like our church is near Northwestern. We'd love to support you. Do you need, do you need help? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, let's meet at Starbucks like today. Yeah. <laughs> possible. Great. So, Great. Yeah, that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. You probably don't get a whole lot of calls like that, huh? Usually, no, those are the best emails to get. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Well, HC, we're glad that you're on the podcast with us tonight. Could you just briefly share a bit of your ministry journey? Uh, I know Jalen just shared some of the stops along the way, but how did God call you to ministry? Where have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, <clears throat> how did God call me on ministry to ministry? It, I'll be honest with you. If I, if I was not an Asian American immigrant, I don't think I'd be in ministry to be honest. Uh, mm. And the reason is because it took me a while to process this, but I realized the reason, well, my father was a pastor and my grandfather was a pastor. And so when we moved to America, I was five years old and I realized, oh, the only people who looked like me, who got any respect in society were pastors, <laughs> you know, because it's like, you know, you moved to you know America as a kid, you're an immigrant, you can't speak English. You know, there was a lot of, I guess, trauma associated with that, you know? And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a pastor so I can be well-respected finally, you know, and like accepted by the community. And so I often say God tricked me into ministry. He used my sin against me. And, uh, you know, 
called me that way. Um, so, you know, growing up, I always wanted to be in ministry. I think in college, I got involved with university and um, that was the campus ministry that I work for now. And, um, you know, I told my staff worker that I wanted to go into ministry and it's the only meal he ever bought me. He recruited me to come on staff. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of, you know, a lot of small yeses led up to the big yes at the end. And um, this is my 11th year on staff now. Wow. Um, and Jalen, like you mentioned, yeah, I, I worked specifically at Northwestern for several years. Um, and then more Illinois and Indiana, um, but more specifically Chicago um, for the last three or four years during the pandemic. And now I work for the Asian American Ministries Department. So it's a new role. And uh, yeah, it's been really exciting so far. Yeah, I'm interested in, you know, you started out as a college student attending an InterVarsity chapter. Um, what has kept you involved with InterVarsity for so many years now? Why InterVarsity? Why, <laughs> why, why do you, what, what keeps you excited about being in, in ministry with InterVarsity? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you could tell from my quote unquote calling narrative, uh, God has often used, you know, little carrots to to kind of put me into the right spot, I think. Um, and, you know, over time, you know, that's, I think, I think often like God uses the carrot and then refines the carrot, you know what I mean? Um, and so that's, that's kind of why I've ended up staying too, to be honest. I think at first, um, we have a three-part vision statement, students and faculty transformed, campuses renewed, world changers developed. I think at first I was really attracted to that world changers developed idea, you know? Um, when I think about campus ministry, I know my life was changed, you know, in my college years. Um, and I really view it as the time when students, when people like grown adults make like life-changing decisions. You know, it's amazing how many of the seemingly small decisions we made over those four, five, six years end up being like life-changing things for us, you know? Um, and so, you know, the opportunity to influence, um, you know, people who I thought uh, and believe are going to like really impact the world, that was really compelling for me, you know? Um, and, you know, like I'm a millennial and, you know, our generation was infused with this whole world where like, go change the world. You guys are so like talented and gifted and all this stuff, you know? And so I think I was attracted to that as well. I think over time, my calling has really gotten sharpened and, hmm. you know, I, I, I still hold on to the, to the kind of young naivete of all that. Cause I think there's something precious about that too. Um, but now, um, you know, I, I kind of view it as, um, obedience to be honest you know what I mean like I, I tell my my coworkers, you know jokingly that every year I try to quit and God would not let me go you know so uh it's been hard it's been hard some hard seasons um but I think it's becoming clear why God has kept me around and really, really is has to do with a lot with um Asian American ministry and kind of you know the the the, the time that we're in where the church is kind of rebuilding itself in America and I really believe it's an opportunity for Asian Americans to um, play the role that I think I think God is calling us to play, you know, um, and to be able to be involved at that at the ground level um, and to influence the next, I don't know, man, decades, centuries of Christian of American Christianity. That's really exciting for me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So you you know you serve in the Asian American Ministries arm of. Uh, InterVarsity, 
And I, I can imagine that there might be some people who ask the question either, you know, what, what does that actually mean? Or what's the Asian American Ministries Department? Or why does it, you know, even exist? Um, I, you know, I feel like for Jalen and I on this podcast, we often talk about just the need for yeah. spaces and places where people like us um, can have their voices heard. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I guess, like, how do you answer that for someone who, who has that question of like, what, what exactly is it that you do and why do you do it? Um, and then maybe you could speak a little bit to what your specific role is uh, in your department. Yeah, those are great questions, man. What exactly do I do? I think my supervisor would also like to know the answer to that question. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I, I think you're right. I think the Asian American Ministries Department exists initially uh, to create those spaces of belonging um, for Asian American staff uh, and then to further ministry towards Asian American students um, kind of on the campus. Um, I don't know how much you all know about InterVarsity, but we do have ethnic-specific uh, chapters. So we have mm -hmm. specific groups just for Asian American students or Black students or, you know, Latinx students, Native students, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yeah, initially, I think that was the desire. I think now, I think there is a very like particular discipleship that Asian Americans need to go through in order for us to be good citizens um, of, of our society, um, good Christian citizens of our society. And um yeah, I, I, I'm trying to, it's a challenge for me because it's like I'm trying to shift from thinking about the need for Asian American ministry primarily in negative terms, like, oh, we are marginalized, so we need space to think about it in more positive terms. Like, what's the gift that Asian American ministry mm -hmm. can bring uh, to the wider body? Uh, I think that's a really much more compelling reason for me. Um, while at the same time, of course, still acknowledging like these spaces of belonging are incredibly important. Um like I know many friends in college who, without Asian American InterVarsity having been there, they would never have stepped foot in a Christian context or environment at all, you know. Um, and so I, I think that's definitely necessary. But I hope that as the U.S. becomes more post-Christian, we can do a better job of like trying to understand what is our place within the wider society. Yeah. I don't know if that quite answered your question, John, but I hope it gets at some of that. Yeah, I like that idea that, you know, a lot of times we can kind of frame it in a negative sense or a negative way, but looking for something like, you know, what is the gift that we as Asian Americans uh, can give to the American church or the church in the West here? Uh, yeah. One of the things that I appreciate about InterVarsity um, is, is a desire to be connected to the local church. And I think there's a lot of parachurch organizations that that aren't great at doing that um I, I found that InterVarsity, at least in in my circles in my areas has done a good job of that what do you hope um the asian american ministries uh department connecting with immigrant churches and maybe specifically you know for our podcast like chinese heritage churches do you see a way that there is a benefit there or a direct partnership there uh, or is it more of kind of like an indirect sort of ministry opportunity what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, church, church partnerships are always hard, you know? Uh, and I think, I don't know, man, there's something, I, there's something curious about that. Why Christian partnerships seem to be so difficult. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's a conversation for another time, but um, church partnerships tend to be really difficult for, for InterVarsity as well. I'm, I'm glad your experience has been good, Jalen. I, I don't think it's 
like that across the board. Um, I think there's difficult um, relationships, especially with churches that tend to be close to campus. Um, I think it, it can get really, really difficult um, because often those churches have their own ministries and, you know, there's only so many of us Asian Americans. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think oftentimes the ministry fields uh, overlap quite a bit. Um, uh, I do think that there can be really good partnership. You know, I go back and forth between wondering if that is best done in a direct way or more in terms of like a, you know, um, members of the body kind of way. Uh, the direct partnership ideally is is awesome, but at the same time, there's always the opportunity cost of what, you know, the particular mission of that congregation or that chapter is supposed to be, right? And so I think there's a way in which we always want to see direct partnerships, but just coordinating that, I think it it's difficult. Um, yeah, it's very, very difficult. I, I, I think there's a way in which like, yeah, especially like the mission of like, local churches is just different from the mission of InterVarsity. Um, I think it's best to view InterVarsity as a missions organization, right? Um, and so um, the things that the things that are required for us to effectively do that on campus oftentimes don't align up with the more general or bigger picture goals that local churches tend to have. Um, but I think in terms of like, you know, a, a members of the body thing, I think one way in which I see the partnership functioning and one way in which I hope it continues to function uh, is that we really believe, or at least I really believe, that, like immigrant churches, ethnic churches, Chinese heritage churches, those are, that's the future of American Christianity. Like, I really believe that, you know, when you look at the stats, like we study Gen Z statistics a lot in our ministry. Uh, it's so interesting when you see the percentage of students who are, um, not Christian, when you break it up by ethnicity, uh, white students far and away are the biggest group of students that are no longer coming into college with any Christian faith. Hmm. Um, when you look at like students of color, you know, so like Asian American, Black, Latinx students, I think the numbers are a lot better. So, you know, there is something around the cultural pool that I think is a really positive thing of immigrant churches that I think we need to figure out how to um, unleash uh, or better conceptualize uh, because we see a lot of students that come to college and they see the cultural pool as purely a negative thing. Uh, and I think there's a way that we can kind of recapture that. That is a resource uh, for both the campus ministries and the local church. Um, so yeah, we believe in the local church a lot. I believe that it's really going to be at the cutting edge of American Christianity. I think the gap is how do we how do we get there? Mm. So how do we get students who come from the local church, from highly church backgrounds, strong youth group cultures generally, how do we take them in college and then develop them in a way where they can return back to their immigrant context and be a blessing? Uh, the biggest complaint that I've heard from local church pastors is that you know, when we grab their students, when we get their students in college, after their time in the university, they don't want to go back to the local church. Hmm. Um, I think that's bad. Like, I, I think that's really, really bad and really bad stewardship on our part, you know? Um, yeah. And we have to figure out a way for us to be able to 
do leadership development in a way that that inspires them to care for their own people, you know, mm-hmm. um, and for their own communities, not not to be ethnocentric about it. But, you know, there's a lot of needs in the immigrant context as well. How do we teach our students to care about that? Um, and then from the local church side, I think a lot of it has to do with how do we build trust so that local mm-hmm. churches can trust mm-hmm. InterVarsity to take care of their students? Um, I think there's, uh, you know, I, I, I've talked to a lot of churches. I have to build a lot of trust within our varsity because I don't think that the level of trust is that high between immigrant churches and Asian American churches in particular and inner varsity. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I would see the partnership playing out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for myself, like I was one of those pastors who in the past have had, um, you know, varying responses to InterVarsity's ministry. I think for the most part, yeah. it was very positive. Um, generally, the students in my youth ministry when I was in um, the west suburbs of Chicago, many of them went to InterVarsity um, chapters on their campuses, especially if they ended up at University of Illinois, which seemed to be like mm-hmm. where most of my students were. Um, but mm-hmm. there were times where I felt like there was a disconnect between like, you know, oh, I, this is a ministry that I attend when I'm, when I'm in college, and then it's different than, you know, the young adult ministry or the college ministry at the church I grew up at, which, of course, yeah. it's going to be different, you know? I mean, even just between these two examples, it's two hours apart. You know, Champaign is a college town in the middle of cornfields, whereas the suburbs of Chicago, it's not the same uh, necessarily. I think the mix of people is going to be different. The culture is going to be different. Um, and so, you know, oftentimes I think that was, I felt like moments where I had to like try to teach and encourage our young people to kind of get a bigger picture of what the kingdom is. Um, and, you know, really understand, like you said, that InterVarsity has a place and a very important place on the college campus and the local church has a very important place, you know, where they come from and, uh, you know, where, where they call home, at least at that point in their lives. I, I think yeah. for me, one of the questions that, that I wrestled with a lot is, you know, my desire, I think naturally was to network and to connect and to partner rather than see, you know, a a campus ministry as like a rival. I I think my desire was like, how can we work together? And it's not easy to do because we are pretty far apart. And I have college students on many, had college students on many different campuses, not just that one particular campus and chapter, but, you know, is there a way forward for churches, you know, not just Chinese heritage churches, but like churches in general, what are healthy ways that they can really partner with, you know, InterVarsity, not just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'll kind of like, you know, shuffle my kids in that direction when they go to college or, you know, because I mean, I think there's a lot of different college, I, well, I like to think that there's many different college ministries that are healthy and good, and they're all parts of the kingdom and they I think they all have to exist because they're going to reach different people in different Mm -hmm. ways um but yeah what are some of those ways that I think churches can can kind of partner in a a healthy way you know or have you seen that happen in any place where you see like hey this church really is doing this well with the local chapter that's nearby yeah yeah um nah man send them all to us (laughs) send us I'm just kidding um no, all the other ministries are really great. I, 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 yes. Yeah, I didn't um, name any of them. All right. So the only one we're naming right now is InterVarsity. <laughs> uh, let me just say InterVarsity like five more times before we move on. Um, I, I have not seen a ton of, of great models of that, to be honest with you. Um, I think the lowest common denominator that we usually default to is like 
I mean, obviously the financial partnership, but then there's also like, you know, one-off volunteer things like, hey, can you come to our event and make food? Or, um, you know, we'll use facilities at, at, at Chinese heritage churches often um, and things like that. But, you know, uh, those are, and maybe that's, if that's, if that's, if that's the best that can happen, I think that's fine. Um, and that we should like celebrate that. I think one of the areas that I would love to see partnership happen is um, we have a lot of unstaffed Asian American chapters in remote locations. Hmm. Uh, and it's incredibly hard for us to send, especially young Asian American staff there just because living there is hard, you know? Um, so like, yeah, living there is hard and, um, you know, the job is actually very difficult, I think, and increasingly difficult. And I think uh, it's hard to do that without community support, uh, which people often lose when they go to remote places, right? Um, and so, but Asians are everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're kind of like, there's no town where we do not exist. Uh, and so I, I wonder if there's a way in which um, Asian American churches, Chinese heritage churches, can take a more active role in ministry on campus, especially at those places where we don't have hmm. a, a staff resource, you know? Um, yeah, we haven't figured out a great way to do that, um, but that would be something that, that you know, for instance, with with my role with AAM, one of my jobs is to figure out what is our unstaffed chapter strategy, right? And so I think I've been thinking a lot about like, how do we, how do we ask local congregations to become more substantive, like spiritual volunteers, you know, on campus? Um, I think that would be good for us. I think it would be good for the church to have kind of a natural like ministry or missions arm. I think it'd be great for our students to see like, like mature Christianity, you know, instead of yeah. like the, mm -hmm. the window of time that they think Christianity is all about in college. So yeah. yeah, that would be one way that I would love to figure out. You know, earlier you, you said that, one of the things that you're excited about is developing Asian American leaders uh, with the hope of sending a lot of them back to their, to their immigrant churches. What are some of the challenges you see to developing Asian American leaders first, but then also sending them back to their immigrant churches? And are there ways that as Chinese heritage churches, we can help that process or make things, you know, go more smoothly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, you know, the the I'll start with the challenges. I think there's one from like the the student side, and then there's a couple organizationally as well. I think from the student side, um, they don't like. And when I say developing Asian American Christian leaders, I I, I want to throw in the word distinctly. There, we're developing distinctly Asian American Christian leaders. Um, so not just Christian leaders who happen to be Asian American but Christian leaders who have kind of internalized their own um, culture and heritage values and like lead out of that. Um, mm. We really want to see that in particular happen. Um, and that's a challenge for the students because oftentimes students, they don't know what they don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, and so it's, it's, and, and everything that they think is the most important thing is something that happened like in the past you know, like a couple of years ago or from their youth group days or whatever. And so a lot of times we'll get students who come from like um, very strong youth group cultures that have great leadership skills, but they come into college. And I mean, honestly, they just, 
it's just such a different environment because they've been trained so strongly. It's hard for them to adjust to that new environment and to that mm. new context and to be open to like new experiences and opportunities. Um, and so there is like a kind of humility process that I think a lot of strong um, Asian American, you know, Christian students have to go through. Um, so that's a big challenge on their end. Um, I think from the organization side, uh, there's a lot of ways in which um, at least InterVarsity, we tend to try to think of ourselves as a high cross-cultural IQ organization. And uh, But even in InterVarsity, we make a lot of mistakes, especially when it comes to Asian Americans. Uh, what, some of it is cultural. Uh, I think there's just less cultural knowledge about what makes Asian Americans Asian Americans. Um, and that leads to a lot of misunderstanding, you know? Um, so I remember, I shared this one story. I remember one time when I was really young on staff, we were at this retreat and they needed somebody to do one of the talks, right? Uh, and I was part of the staff team. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. You know, uh, it's an empty slot. You know, so they need someone to do it. I'll just, you know, I can take it on. And initially the leader was like, oh, yeah, definitely you can do that. But then a couple hours later, he like knocks on my door and he comes in and he's like, yo, HC, I thought about it for a while. And uh, this is just not the spot for you, man. This is like. You're really young. I don't think you can do it. It would be hard to do it overnight, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then he said, he was like, he made this comment. He was like, I also think something around like me being too direct in like putting myself out there. You know what I mean? And the funny part is when I was doing that, I was trying to be direct. So I was making a cross-cultural move because it's not something that I would ever have like been like, yeah, it's my first year on staff, but let me do this talk, you know, that nobody else is going to do. So I was trying to make a cross-cultural move, but they did not make the cross-cultural move with me. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, you know, we had to work through that. We had to have like a real conversation about that because, you know, that informs narratives and it informs opportunities and all that stuff. So I think, I think there's a gap there. Um, I think the second gap, uh, I think there's a lot of pressure to assimilate into majority culture. Um, and as we do that, if there's not sufficient attention being paid to like the Asian Americanness of like the student leader or the staff leader that we're trying to develop, uh, I think there's a lot of ways in which that can lead or lend itself to like assimilating leadership styles into like a more um, acceptable or recognizable way um, that ends up losing parts of ourselves. Hmm. Um yeah, so it's it's really sad, but those are the two pressures that I think are on staff and students. Um, and yeah, like I said, students and staff, you know, oftentimes don't know what they don't know. And then, um, you know, we fall into that temptation of assimilating and end up not leading in the way that we were called to, you mm -hmm. know. Um, there's a, a, a rap lyric that I think about often. It's from J. Cole. I don't know if you all know J. Cole, but he says, Gooch told me, play the game to change the game. But on the way, I let Nas down. And I think about that a lot with Asian American Christian <laughs> leaders. It's like, oh, we're playing the game in order to change the game. But on the way, who are we letting down? Who are we leaving mm. behind? In what ways are we cutting ourselves off? Um, in what ways are we putting on Saul's armor when we need to be more like David and grabbing the slingshot to fight our battles? I think those are lots of life questions for me mm. as I think about Asian American development. Yeah. Are, are there any um, resources that you can think of that have helped like your staff step into those spaces where they might be having to tackle 
difficult cross-cultural conversations or just interactions, um, you know, or any resources potentially for churches in the way that they develop their young people so that they can arrive on campus and in their ministries, um, you know, just with soft hearts for what God wants to teach them. Uh, you know, are there any things that you would recommend to churches or to people who might be thinking about going on staff, things like that? I mean, we do a lot of training in this area, uh, at least within our organization. Um, and then honestly, the best resources are other people. It's like mentors, you know, other people who have like survived and thrived within the org um, and looking to them, getting mentorship from them. You know, the nice thing about InterVarsity is that the Asian American ministry community is pretty tight. Uh, and so there's a lot like everybody's very open. Like I can get a meeting with a VP just by messaging them, you know what I mean? Just because they want to help um, us younger Asian American staff. So um, I think finding Asian American mentors um, is critical. Um, you know, I don't do well with book titles. So those, you know, don't really come to mind. I apologize, but I can send you all stuff uh, later on. Um, you know, there's an Asian American specific book that we just released from IVP um, called Learning Our Names. Um, and I think that is an excellent book to help Asian American students in particular see the ways in which they've been racialized. So kind of see the, the kind of cultural and ethnic and racial dynamics that they are kind of within the framework of. Um, there's another book called um, Invitation to Lead by Paul Tokunaga. Uh, that's it's also an university press book. That was actually really formative for me for trying to even have the concept or category of Asian American leadership, you know? So I think those are a couple of books that I would recommend. Um, another book that I think is super helpful, it's a little dense, it's more academic, um, but um, Asian Americans and the Spirit of Racial Capitalism um, by Jonathan Tran, he's a professor at Baylor. That was such a helpful book to kind of understand more widely what is Asian America's place in society right um so like what is the role that we're playing even unwittingly and what are the ways in which we need to kind of come out of that um and kind of repent of those things um it was really really helpful yeah i appreciate those suggestions as a tease i don't know if john we're allowed to say this but um yeah one of the one of the authors uh of learning our names um sabrina chan is uh, going to be on the podcast in an upcoming episode. So we're excited about that. And I know she is, is she technically your boss, HC? She is my boss. Yes. <laughs> the best boss, Sabrina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to to have her hear this part of the podcast. <laughs> but HC, uh, really thankful for your thoughtfulness and the things that you, you're doing at InterVarsity. And I, you know, I, I think I'm very grateful for the ways that InterVarsity is very intentional, especially for Asian Americans and Asian American leadership in the church. Uh, I'm excited about, you know, as you said, like decades into the future, what, what is going to come of the work that you guys are doing right now? with the Asian American ministries. So um, the last question we always ask is um, what is one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in the Chinese heritage church? Yeah. You know, we didn't talk about this that much, I don't think, but I, it, I want to go back to that conviction for me where it's like, I really think immigrant churches, Chinese heritage churches are going to be the thing 
that revives America or that revives Christianity in America. Like I really believe that. Um, and in particular, I think it, the reason I care so much about the distinctly Asian American Christian leadership piece of this all is because I really think that a Christianity that um, comes out of the Asian American experience is like, it, it has to be like, I just, I wonder about so many possibilities with that. Um, not just for like the church, right. Institutionally, but I think like for, for our country, you know, for our society, for our communities. Um, and in particular, there's a way in which our expressions of Christianity, our ministry models tend to be so communal that I think in a world that's been fractured by individualism, that's the kind of gospel that we need. Um, and so I, I would just encourage like you pastors, I mean, y'all are doing like the real work. Like it's like my job is relatively easy. You know what I mean? All I do, I like I talk to like other ministers and create resources and like just talk about things like y'all have the hard job. But y'all have the job that I think really is going to um, make the biggest impact. So I would just encourage you all to keep at it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, and uh, be more Asian. <laughs> it's going to save us all. I promise. <laughs> mm. oh, I love it. I love it, HC. Thank you for just sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, HC. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.